1: Bringing you the best day of the week, college football time. The Patriots currently sitting with just two wins, getting shut out at home for the second time this season. As has been the case for weeks now, there's nothing better to do really than talk about the future and some of the young blood that's going to be brought into this organization. This show is brought to you by our friends at Bandool and SeatGeek. More about them later. But first, Alex, how are you? And what did you think of this week's games real quick?
0: The the championship games are awesome, and it's, it sucks that the Pac-12 is going away and we'll probably never really have a weekend like that again, and we'll see what happens with the ACC. I won't be so sure the ACC is going to hang on after the committee's decision to leave Florida State out of the college football playoff. But, boy, just, just every game coming down to the wire, all hard-fought games, um, really a lot of good football. We're obviously going to talk a lot about the Pac-12 championship game between Oregon and Washington. That was probably the best game of the weekend, but – I thought, you know, Florida State, Louisville was kind of, you know, those dogs that are like so ugly, they're cute. People say like, that's kind of what Louisville, <laughs> Florida, what Florida State was. Um, I thought it was, even though it wasn't a close game, it was very fun to watch Texas and watch that offense. And hmm. I'm really looking forward to seeing them in a couple of weeks against Washington. And I think that will be an unbelievable game. That's going to be one of the better college football playoff games we've seen, or it should be. Um. So, yeah, I thought we got treated. And then obviously the SEC championship was a great game as well. So Mm -hmm. I thought we got treated to a great slate um, and and definitely found out a lot about some of these college prospects as well. Well, you mentioned
1: the Pac-12 championship, RIP. So we're going to talk about it. All right, two quarterback prospects that everybody's going to be talking about this offseason. Bo Nix went 21 for 34, 239 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Also had six carries for 69 yards. Michael Penix Jr., pretty, you know, whole hum performance from him, always relatively, because we know what he can do. Yeah. Michael Penix went 27 for 39, 319 yards, 8.2 average touchdown and an interception, 87.8 quarterback rating. Really, Dylan Johnson was the story of this game. Guy yeah. had 28 carries, 152 yards and two touchdowns. Like That's where awesome. the game was at. Yeah, but uh, what did you think about the performances? Uh, we're going to see... More obviously
0: from Washington.
1: Uh, did Oregon make playoffs? No, Oregon not
0: No, Oregon's di- I would no. We, no. Oregon's out of the playoff. They have a bowl game. I would imagine Bo Nix won't play wow. in that.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think we got probably. two guys who are in the Heisman race. That was
0: oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, college
1: yes. football. I'm getting up. I'm getting all my ducks in a row. I'm still there figuring it out. But honestly, I'm way past where I was at this point last year, <laughs> thanks to you, my good friend. Uh, but yeah, what did these quarterbacks do for their draft stock?
0: So I thought. Uh, Penix, I'll start with Penix because he's a little easier. I I don't know that he raised or lowered it. I think, like you said, it's kind of the performance we've seen for him. I I don't look too much at that low touchdown number. Dylan Johnson cleaned up quite a bit in the red zone. Penix is getting them up and down the field. Uh, Six of their eight drives out, excluding the two at the end of each half to just run out the clock. Six of their eight drives ended in in points. So he moved the ball well, even if he wasn't the one throwing the ball across the goal line. Uh, Did throw a bad pick. I, he did struggle with pressure a bit, which is something to watch. But I think overall, he made the throws he needed to make. He out another guy we expect to be a first-round pick. He was the better quarterback in this game. Uh, you, you saw that leadership, that fight coming through. The biggest thing for me for him, again, I don't necessarily think he improved his draft stock. He did. It was minimal. I don't think he improved his draft stock in this game. But he allowed himself the opportunity against Texas. And then really what you're looking for if, if Washington wins that game against either the Alabama or Michigan defenses in the championship. And those are two, either way, it would be the best defense he's faced all year. He plays well in that game. Like he outduels Quinn Hewers. So boom, he'll have outdueled two, two of the players in the class, right? And Nick's will have outdueled twice. And then, um, and then who, uh, uh, Texas Hewers, mm-hmm. and then he'll have a chance to potentially outdo McCarthy, but have a chance to beat a really good defense that's where he's really going to, you know, is he a first round pick? Is he a top 10 pick. How do we talk about Michael Penix? I think the college football playoff will maybe give us a chance for that. I I don't want to give the guy credit for what he hasn't done. I don't think he's a top 10 picks right pick right now. You take the resume he's established to this point and he goes out and puts up, you know, 303 against Texas against Alabama or against Michigan. That's a top 10 pick, assuming his medical is clear. So, He's afforded himself much more, and that's going to be a theme here. You'll notice that he's afforded himself much more opportunity down the road, and that was, I think, the biggest thing for him. So the one bad pick aside, I thought he was fine. Again, pretty typical, but it's more the excitement about what are we going to see from him next? That's where I'm at Mm -hmm. with Michael Penix. With Bo Nix, um, and we were
1: texting too. I, we I texted you. I was like, "Road Nix popping up," and then you started to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, so he game. had
0: a kind of a roller coaster game. There were flashes where he was good, and mm-hmm. I, I, it, it was weird. His strengths didn't show up in this game. His weaknesses were where he played the best. So I don't really know what to make of it. Like I thought he did a good job attacking the middle of the field in the intermediate and deep parts. And Especially, you talked about that. That was one of the things you wanted to see. Right. And that that la- that throw he made, which ended up being his last play of the game, the touchdown, late mm-hmm. to make it a three-point game, the catch and run. That's a great throw. That's a throw that he has not made with any regularity this year. And to make it in that spot is certainly significant. But he was 10 of 16 throwing within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. He was erratic at times. I didn't think he looked great under pressure. So like that was kind of a draw because it was like, all right, he did some stuff. I wanted to see him do that he hadn't been doing, but the things that you're going to kind of hang your hat on with him weren't there. What really bothered me about Nick's performance, and I know some people are going to say this is nitpicking, but this is the way it's going to be looked at by NFL evaluators. He throws that touchdown pass, the catch and run to make it a three-point game, 34-31 with, I think it was like two and a half minutes to go. Mm-hmm. And Oregon kicks the ball back off to Washington with three timeouts. It is a three-point game. Oregon's defense needs to stop. Oregon Knicks will get the ball back, go down the field, have a chance to at least tie the game with the field goal. Same spot. He was in, in the regular season meeting back in October, boom, redemption shot. That's what you're looking for. When they go back to the sideline though, the Oregon offense and Taylor, I think you saw this. I think I texted you about this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's on the bench slumped over towel over his head, not watching. And there's, there's that players, was- coming up to him, trying to hype him up. And he was disengaged. And look, was Oregon going to win the game at that point? Probably not. But there was a real chance they were getting at the ball back. Mm-hmm. And you got to be ready to go, dude. Like yeah. you, you need to snap in. And he's supposed to be like over 60 career college starts. He's supposed to be this veteran leader, poised, composed, experienced. I didn't like that. And people will, there's a couple things people will say to come back from that. One, people will say that's ridiculous. I would say we did this with Caleb Williams for months, and we're going to continue to do it for months with Caleb Williams. And mm-hmm. it's a fair critique of Caleb Williams as well. Yeah. Both of them, the body language in big spots and big games, concerning. People will say, well, Michael Penix put his head in the equipment box last week in the Apple Cup. I personally make a difference between like Penix's job was done. He got him down the field in a field goal range in a tie game. They're going to kick it. They're either going to go overtime or the game is going to be over. Some guys just don't like watching the end of games like That's pretty common. There's lots of players and coaches that don't watch game-winning field goals. I Mm -hmm. have – me personally, I would watch it. I have no problem. Like, if he stayed in there, like, during the coin toss – let's say he misses the kick and Penick stays in there as they're going to overtime in the coin toss, I'd have a problem with it. But, (laughs) no, he didn't. He didn't want to watch the game-winning field goal. He's he's a guy who wears his emotions on his sleeve. We've seen that. But I think he's a team-first guy. I don't think he's a guy that's going to bow out. He's not a guy – the game's not over with him. And I, they haven't lost any games this year, but going back to his time in Indiana, that guy plays till there's zeros on the clock.
2: Mm.
0: Bo Nix, again, you got a chance to win the game. And he's just, he taps out. So I, I'm not saying he's like not a first round pick anymore because of that, but. I would bet when he goes in interviews with NFL teams, they're going to pull that clip up and ESPN certainly showed it. Now they barely see the drive. They were just showing Bo (laughs) Nix and look, credit to Nix. He got up after he shook Penix's hand, all of that. When he goes into meetings with teams, they're going to pull that clip up and say, what was going through your mind here? What were your teammates saying to you? What were you saying to them? That is something he is going to have to answer for. That's just a part of the process. I'm going to guess teams when they go back and look at that are going to say, well, we could be in this situation. We don't want our quarterback on the bench with the towel over his head. We want him standing on the sideline or either talking to coaches, getting ready or on the sideline, like hyping up the defense. So I, it wasn't a great look for him. And, and the reason I think with him, it hits so hard is again, this is supposed to be a big part of who he is. He's supposed mm-hmm. to be this veteran leader. And he didn't show that in a moment where he really needed to show it. And it was striking the reason I'm talking so much about it is because I didn't expect it from Bo Nix. There are guys I might expect that from. I did not expect it from Bo Nix. And that's why it struck me so much.
1: And even the feeling with Caleb Williams, like that was after the game. I would understand as like a coach, if you go up to him and you're like, you have to understand that you were a quarterback. Like at the time, it kind of pissed me off that people were getting on him about that kind of thing. And knee-jerk reaction, I think that's fair. But then you think like it is a business and quarterbacks are perceived a certain way. I think and like really when I thought about if you go to like a New York or a New England and the way that people are going to react, like you're going to have to deal with that because of what you did. So exactly. I understand a coach being like, you got to understand, like, if you like be with your family, that's completely fine. Be emotional. Don't do it publicly because that's just going to draw attention that you don't want. It's very, very different when the game is going on. And again, it's not a panic thing where it's like, you know, people look down and not wanting to see the extra point is a common thing but it's odd when you're still like competing in the game and he was by himself too. It just, right. it was a really weird look. And I, you know, again, I'm Mr. Like I try to give guys a benefit of the doubt when it comes to like body language and whatnot. But like you said, it was striking in when ESPN is focusing on you, like you said, over the drive, that's the effect that it has. And that's something you have to answer for. Then the NFL, like we have seen all year when teams are doing poorly, People start to pick on little things that they see, and if you're Bo Nix starting quarterback on the sideline, everyone's going to have to answer for you. And do you want to be the guy that's bringing that on your locker room? It sucks that we have to talk about that, but this is a major business, and that's just kind of the that's the trick of the trade. Right. If, if
0: if that happened here, right, and let's say let's say they get the stop and then get the ball back and they lose, there's going to be where was you know. Guys are going to be getting questions. Do you wish you had Bo next with you in the huddle when the well the defense was going to figure something out? Yep. We, we, you know what were you saying to him cuz what really did it for me was one of the linemen goes up to him and is like clapping and like hey come on let's go and Nix didn't move. Like at that point it's like hey they're like looking for you man like let's yeah. let's go. So I, I don't want to pick on the kid too much and mm. and we probably have but um like that's no it's, it's fair because it, it, the reason Yeah. Yeah, no. It it stood out and I think it's something
1: he's going to be asked about. Yep, we're gonna move on, but first, quick word from our friends at
2: FanDuel. We'll be back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel. You know what's America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollars money line bet. Look, if you're not good at math, you, you, you even you know that's a good deal. I mean, I'm not good at math, and I, I know that's a good deal. That's a hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit fanduel.com Boston and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, here we go, folks. Now pay attention to this. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling Helpline, MA.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. games or call 1-800-GAM-1234.
1: All right, Quinn Ewers. This is an interesting one because apparently he's supposed to be potentially staying in school. We've talked about it. That might not be the best course of action for him. I'll let you get into that. But first, against the Oklahoma State Cowboys, and this is another blowout for Texas, One forty-nine to 21 Quinn Ewers went 35-46, for 452 yards for a 9.8 yards per attempt average, four touchdowns, and one interception. Also had three carries for six yards, no one cares about so, again, same question as last time. What do you think this is for his draft stock? And will that even matter? Because is he going to be in the
0: draft? So, kind of like with Michael Penix, the bigger thing... Oklahoma State's defense isn't good. The mm-hmm. bigger thing for me is Michael Pen- uh, 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 uh Quinn Ewers gave himself a chance here to continue to prove himself. And I think with him, it's can he get back to being a first-round pick? He was supposed mm-hmm. to be coming into the season. It was up-and-down season. I think if he's a first round pick, there's not much reason for him to stay in school because he's going to be a first mm-hmm. round pick next year. You might as well. If he starts hearing from teams that he's a second or third round pick, he's going to go back to school, to try to get his stock back up. So having more chances now to raise his stock is good. As for this performance, and by the way, he was the only player when I did, I did, and you can check it out on 98.5, the sports I did stock up, down, or even for the six big quarterbacks that we kind of talked about championship weekend. He was the only one I had up. Mm. So I thought he had the best weekend relatively of any of them. And of course he did. You read the numbers. He set the big 12 champ in the big 12 notorious offensive conference. Like it's all air raid, let it fly, let it rip, you know, totals in the seventies and eighties, yada, yada, yada. He set the conference championship game passing yards record early in the third quarter. I mean, the numbers are mind blowing and he did, He had some fantastic moments in this game. I thought he showed great pocket awareness, elusiveness, ability to move around within the pocket, extend plays, which is going to be big for a guy his size. He needs to show he can take care of himself in the pocket. He did a great job of that. I thought, again, that intermediate part of the field that's becoming so big in the modern NFL... He was 8 of 9 for 133 yards, throwing from between 10 and 19 yards. Those are the mm-hmm. kind of throws that are going to ju- do when they, uh, the cut-ups, right? And Taylor, I know you do yep. this with your film, like you, you know, mm-hmm. intermediate, intermediate. When they open that yes. intermediate throws file from the Big 12 championship, they're going to love what they see from Quinn yeah. Ewers in this game. I think he checked a ton of boxes. And again, I'm going to read the numbers again before I say this, just so we're all on the same page. 35 of 46, 452 yards, four touchdowns. I felt like he left some plays on the field. Mm-hmm. I really did. I think he could have been better. The interception was bad. There's a linebacker lurking underneath the crosser. Crosser didn't did. see him. Totally missed the guy. <laughs> like that can't happen. He had a couple other throws. He overthrew Ad Mitchell deep when he had, like clean beat the corner and was running by him. Um, he had another miss on a crosser. Through most of that and look, they kind of took their foot off the gas in the second half, and I get that, but. Even in the first half, I thought he had some missed throws. The biggest thing for me, which is going to be sorted out in this game, like I said, he made some nice throws. He he got a ton of help from his receivers. Texas averaged nine and a half yards after the catch in that game. So, a first down. If you catch the ball, boom! You already passed the sticks. <laughs> right, exactly. So I, I, Quinn Ewers' a dot was about five. It was low, so he he got. He did make some big time throws. He got a ton of help. They also had one of his deeper passes to Jadavian Sanders for the touchdown. The tight end that was off a uh, flea flicker. Sanders mm-hmm. is wide ass open. He's the only player in the in the camera shot. So, like I, I don't want to take anything away from Quinn Ewers again. I think he was really good. I also think he could have been better, and I think he he missed some opportunities in that game. So, stocks up. We'll see what he does against Washington, which is a better defense. And then if he wins that game, a a better defense again against Michigan or Alabama. I Mm. still think he certainly has a chance to be in the first round conversation. But my biggest takeaway from this game, Taylor, I don't know that I need the Patriots to get Quinn Ewers. I need the Patriots to get one of these Texas skill position players. I really do. I I think you're worthy. I feel like you've been talking about him quite a bit. So yeah, he's been, he stood out to me since he was, he was, I mean, he was a five-star freshman. He's not some mm. sleeper came out of nowhere. He's always been highly regarded, <laughs> but he's torn up Alabama twice. How many guys can you say that about? Uh, yeah. He's been good all year this year. My comp for him and get ready here. Tall Zay Flowers. That's really what he looks like. Like if Zay Flowers was like one, uh, uh, So he nice. has that, that, that quickness, the agility, the route running ability, the, the straight line speed. And he's probably going to be a second-round pick. That's how good this wide receiver oh, is. So man, you're honest. getting me excited. Um, a. Mitchell, to me, is like a, like prime, like good Devontae Parker. Like Devontae Parker against Stefan Gilmore, that one. <laughs> like that's <laughs> the kind of player I think he can be. I don't really have a comp for Jadavian Sanders. He's a really good tight end. He's like 6'5", 250. He blocks. He catches the ball. He runs physically. Like he's a good, good Hunter Henry.
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry? Was he good Hunter Henry? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Oh, no, he's because he blocks. He's he's a more physical, he's like a well rounded tight end. So, um, mm-hmm. they're all probably going to go somewhere between like 30 and 50, something like that. So, we'll see. I, uh, I could see where the if he's going to run some absurd 40 and maybe he ends up in the 20s, but uh, it's uh, it, that skills, and I don't want to. It's tough because when you talk about a lot of these quarterbacks, when you talk about Penix, when you talk about Ewers, when you talk about even Williams or Nix, the people who don't like them have this built in, oh, well, look at all the talent around them. And, you know, we don't want another thing with Mac where he was just a product of the talent around him at Alabama. One That's trauma talking. (laughs) So here's what I'll say. One, no quarterback has the talent Mac has. No quarterback outside of maybe Joe Burrow in 19 has ever had the talent Mac had at Alabama. That's one of the greatest college football teams of all time. The other thing I would say is Quinn Ewers is, th- uh, not Quinn Ewers, um, Caleb Williams is throwing a three top 150 picks. Some of them are underclassmen, so they won't be top 150 in this draft, but when they get drafted, they'll eventually eventually be top 150. Jaden Daniels is throwing a two top, you know, two second round, uh, two top, we call it 50, 60 picks in Malik Neighbors and in, in Brian Thomas. We know Michael Penix is three guys that will go in the top 50. Troy Franklin's a top 50 pick. I forget the name of their other guy at Oregon. He's going to go top 100. JJ McCarthy is mm-hmm. Roman Wilson, who's a top 100 pick. He has one of the best tight ends in the class of 2025. He's not eligible this year. And he has arguably the two best running backs in college football behind him in Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards in an offense that doesn't ask him to do jack. We just talked about the group Quinn Ewers had if you don't want to take a quarterback in this draft because he has too much talent around him, you either are taking Drake May, who still does have Tez Walker and Amari and Hampson. Like, he has talent. It's not the same level, but you're never going to see, because of the transfer portal, you will never see again the team Cam Newton had at Auburn in 2010 where he's throwing a Watson-Kirking, right? None of the guys Cam Newton played with at Auburn offensively Nobody who caught a pass from Cam Newton, Cam Newton at Auburn ever played in the NFL, and that's why that season's so. And impressive. no one he
1: played with in the NFL ever played in the NFL either. It's incredible. <laughs> Except
0: for Greg Olson, <laughs> right. you'll you'll never see you'll never see that again because of the mm-hmm. NIL and, and the transfer portal. They're building super teams, so either you want you're, you're if that's your take that you can't get somebody who had too much of a supporting cast, you're either take locked into saying Drake May is the best quarterback in the draft, or you don't want a quarterback. The reality is it's going to be a tough year to evaluate these guys. You have to look at what the quarterback does independently of the result. Does he, how does his pocket presence, how does he move in the pocket? Does he have a compact release? Where is he putting the ball? Forget if the, re, maybe these receivers are making good catches, but are they making good catches because the ball's inaccurate? Or is he putting the ball in a spot where only the receiver can get it and They're just mm-hmm. making a good play. The other part is ideally you draft the guy. You want talent around him in the NFL as well. Let's just not assume that the guy drafted by the Patriots is going to have no talent. Hopefully they go out and they get some wide receivers too. So uh, to bring it back to Quinn Ewers, I do think he had a very good game. I think he improved his draft stock. I think if he continues to play this way throughout the college football playoff, he will be a first round pick. He will end up declaring for the draft, all of that. He can't help that he's throwing to three guys that are potential all pros. You got to look at what he does outside of that, but they are certainly helping him out quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, the argument, I understand it to a degree because you want to see a college quarterback like elevate their uh, supporting cast because right. that's the name of the game in the NFL. But at the same time, like, I think you made a great point. It's not like, like a Mac Jones situation where he had all this talent around him, but it's not like he's under throwing every pass and guys are coming back. Like, you can see the quality of play where it's like, This guy is maximizing his talent around him. And this guy is succeeding only because the people around him are doing that. Like, yeah, I think it's fair to say that Mac, you know, a lot of the success he had in Alabama came on screens, short throws, because he had so many explosive guys. You just get the ball behind line of scrimmage and you can turn it into explosive play. But also when you saw him throw down field, it's like, oh, no, when he actually trusts the guys he's throwing to, when he has protection, this guy can look really good and he can operate with an NFL quality roster like there is some value in that as well and not just having a Drake May where they have again he has, has uh Watkins and I'm not going to make it seem like he doesn't have any NFL talent around him but when you have a lack sometimes that turns into bad habits sometimes that turns into I don't trust my guys to win or be able to do certain things because they aren't at that certain talent level and then it's okay you take a step back and have to have another conversation where it's when Drake may is making the Mac Jones esque plays where he's going outside of structure, but it kind of scares you. And you're like, all right, you have the athleticism to pull this off, but should you be doing it on a regular basis to try to play Superman that turns into a whole different thing. So I understand some of the validity of, you know, wanting to critique a guy because he's got a lot of talent around him, but if anything, it just gives you more of a clear picture as opposed to being like, why is this guy, you know, doing all the Superman stuff when, right. Obviously he's just trying to make something happen. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. No. It's a, it's it's all a very good points. So it's something, and mm-hmm. I'm sure this won't be the last time we bring this up, Taylor, as we go through the process. That it's it, you gotta you, you just gotta look at what the quarterback does, and if, if there's an All American on the other side of it, if there's a walk on freshman on the other side of it, it, you gotta just kind of block that out.
1: Also, just like support your young receivers. It's almost like a good offense right. should
0: have two NFL
1: caliber receivers. Uh, Crazy, uh, right? You, you would think it might be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Generational football mind over here, Taylor <laughs> Kyle's. That's what they pay me the big bucks for. <laughs> all right. Uh, you not? Um, all, right. <laughs> all right. Next, we've got Carson Beck versus Jalen Milrow. Georgia versus the Crimson Tide. The game that got Georgia booted out, most likely, of the college football playoffs, despite uh, Kirby's best efforts to try to get him in there. Uh, Carson Beck went 21 for 29, 243 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions. 84.3 late rating. Jalen Milrow, 13 for 23, 192 yards, but two passing touchdowns. And obviously, you know he's going to run the ball, but only 14 carries for 29 yards, nothing too crazy there. Uh, what did you see from Carson Beck and Jalen Milrow? Do we have any kind of update on him, or is Jalen Milrow still Jalen Milrow, where you know, like that he's starting to progress, and you like that he's you know rising to the occasion in these moments, but there's still plenty to work on?
0: Mil- Milro, I, I still think the best course of action for him is to go back to school. And, mm-hmm. you know, they had a quarterback competition this year, even though he was the week one starter. He'll go back. They will truly build the offense around him, game plan it around him. He, as much as he's grown this year, and he deserves a ton of credit for that, he still has more growth he'll need as a quarterback. Like he needs to go back to school and potentially be like the Jaden Daniels of the next class, right? That guy that yeah. just kind of hits that next gear and flies up the draft board. So, I will say he did make a nice throw, the touchdown throw, Jermaine Burton. Jermaine Burton's a name Patriots fan, should know. Day three, early day three wide receiver, just a really well-rounded, experienced. He doesn't have like one standout trait, but I don't think he has any really weaknesses as a receiver either. He's just kind of solid, and they probably need more than one receiver. So I'm not saying Jermaine Burton is the answer, but... You take a wide receiver in the second round, maybe get Jermaine Burton in the fifth, and you just kind of have him there as a, another option. Uh, and I'm so guessing nice he has experience with Bill
1: O'Brien as well. Sorry.
0: Yes. Yes, he does because okay. he was there last year. Yeah. yeah and he was okay. also at Georgia. So he's, you know, been in mm. big games. He's played at big programs. He transferred from Georgia to Alabama last year. Uh, okay. On Beck, I think you pretty much saw the Carson Beck you've seen all year. He was efficient, but he wasn't. He made the plays he needed to make. He didn't really go beyond that. Um, I, You know, didn't the whole second half, you're kind of waiting for Georgia to have a drive. And that's, it was a game where against a good defense, you're putting it on the quarterback. And, and, and this game again for Beck was, I think we kind of knew who he, we kind of know who he is at this point. It was, is there another level he can reach in this big game that he can solidify himself? He's kind of fringe day two prospect right now, probably more early day three. And it was like, okay, can he show me something against Alabama where, all right, if he was who he was all year and then maxes out against Alabama, you're going to be really encouraged. You were waiting for him to have that moment the whole second half, and he just couldn't crack the Alabama defense. Now, the Alabama defense is good, but so are NFL defenses. And he, to me, looked like a guy that could probably use another year it's going to be interesting to see what happens because you figure lad mcconkey and brock bowers both going to the draft and what are his weapons going to look like not it's george i'm sure they'll have good players but will they be as good as specifically brock bowers i it's hard to imagine uh <laughs> but I, I i think at this point he has another year of eligibility uh uh um uh, carson beck does and i think it's in instead of having that one game right and then the college football playoff if they won georgia would have been in instead of having that one game and then the college football playoff to prove he's a first round pick, he'll have a whole season and no matter what, mm-hmm. he'll get to face Alabama next year, Georgia and Alabama play in the regular season. So he'll get a good redemption shot there. It seems like things are trending towards him going back to school. That's what the reporting indicates. George getting a nice fat NIL deal set for him. The backup like grander uh, Brock Vandergraaf just transferred out. I, I think he's going to Mississippi state. I don't remember. I saw that earlier, mm-hmm. but uh, it's all setting up for Carson Beck to go back to school. I, would imagine like just I don't know what his personal situation is but from a draft perspective I think in, in an NFL career perspective going back to school is probably the right move for him at this point
1: All right. short and sweet these are two guys who may not even be in the draft conversation yeah. so we'll keep it moving but first quick word from our pals at SeatGeek we'll be back as a self-proclaimed Swifty I have been dying to see Taylor Swift perform in person but I'm gonna have to do so at a reasonable price once the season's over And to find the best deal on Taylor Swift tickets, I use today's sponsor, SeatGeek. With over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticket app. There's more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports, festivals, and more. I actually used SeatGeek last year to see a Clippers game with my girlfriend. And with the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons in full swing, you don't want to miss out. And SeatGeek has your tickets to every single game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour right now. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee. And SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. And you know I came through for you guys. Use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. All right, now we're talking about Michael Pratt. Tulane took on SMU. Not a great day for Pratt. Uh, Tulane lost 26-14. to Pratt went 21 for 36, 238 yards for 6.6-yard average, a touchdown, an interception, 16.8 QBR. Not great. What did you think of the performance? Was there something hidden in the stats from the game that, you know, maybe makes him look a little better, or was it as pedestrian as it looked?
0: No, nah, he looked overwhelmed. He did. And I wonder now if he plays in the bowl game, uh, mm. kind of like with Beck, it was, he was that fringe top 100 prospect. And is he going to be that end of day two guy that, and I know these names aren't, you know, the most exciting to fans, but
2: mm.
0: w- was he going to be that uh, Davis Mills, uh, Kyle Trask kind of prospect? Mm. And uh, he kind of fell back to the pack. Maybe he plays in the bowl game, writes the ship, but not the performance I was looking for from him.
1: That's boring. All right, another short, sweet one. But now we will move on to the bigger names uh, in this college draft class. Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. My man, Jaden Daniels. Not going to see these guys, unfortunately, but we got some guys in the Heisman conversation. So, Chapters pretty much closed on their seasons. We're not really going to learn much more about them. So what do you think? Final analysis, based on what we've seen so far, like, you know, we saw it to go through all the tape, all that, blah, 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 caveats. But what did you
0: think uh, of the seasons they put together? So I think with Caleb Williams, it was... Like, compared to expectations, it was disappointing. He was the reigning Heisman mm-hmm. winner. USC was coming in with all this talent. He was supposed to compete for national championship. Now... The main reason USC didn't compete for national championship was their defense. 128th, 133rd in the nation. Uh, they were ass. Just technical term ass defense. They were bad. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, that's not Caleb Williams' fault at all. Like he mm-hmm. scored the points, he put up the numbers. Did have 10 fewer touchdowns than last year, threw as many interceptions in two less games. Uh, I think it's one thing to be a true sophomore transfer who probably wasn't that like people knew Caleb Williams was good, but he was not, he was not a Heisman, not in the Heisman contention at the start of last year Mm -hmm. for him to have the season he had, it was kind of going to be all up because the expectations really weren't that enormous. Whereas this year they were talking about him being generational and he was very, 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 very good, but Mm -hmm. he didn't hit those expectations. I still think as we get ready for what I call the true pre-draft process, which is the game, the the games are the games, the season is the season. Right now we'll start doing the senior bowl, combine, pro days, interviews, meetings, all of that. It's a pre-draft process. As we go into the process, he is still the best quarterback in this draft. I do truly believe that. I think he showed a lot of talent. I think the flaws he showed last year, or the flaws he showed this past season, were also apparent last year. We just weren't focused on them because we were so wowed by what he was doing. Mm. Once, you know, once we became accustomed to him doing some of that Patrick Mahomes stuff, you dig a little deeper. Yeah, he gets a little flustered in the pocket. He doesn't always set his feet. Things like that. They're all coachable issues. No prospect is perfect. I say that all the time. Yep. I would rather try to fix what Caleb Williams needs fixed than what any other quarterback in this draft needs fixed. Or some of them have things that simply can't be fixed. Right. Michael injuries, Right. <laughs> uh, we'll get to Jane. Um, but I, I did he, if he hurt his stock to me, it's because he opened the door for Marvin Harrison jr. To go one, one, which I still don't think will happen. I think even if the bears were going to take Marvin Harrison jr. One, one, they would sell that pick and then use whatever they get back for that plus three to move up to two and take Harrison. I still think Caleb Williams ultimately goes one, one. I just think this year the shine was off. He was a known commodity and it was easier to dig a little bit deeper. So still love him as a player. Definitely. There's things he needs to work on. I felt that way before the season. I still feel that way. I just think those things were emphasized a little more in, in this year than they were last year. And how about May? May's an interesting one. So I was never, and I know this is going to sound crazy to some people. Like I remember Drake May last year when he came out as a fr- broke out as a freshman, being like, "Are we really doing this with Drake May?" And then he started doing stuff I didn't think he could do, and he really impressed the second half of last year in the beginning of this season. And then he played a run of kind of bad teams and and piled up the numbers. And look, I'm not going to fault the guy for beating bad teams. You need to do that, and it's impressive. He did not end the season on a high note. He had some bad losses. He got loose with the football. I still can't unsee, to your point, that he does a lot of the things Mac Jones does. They just work. And <laughs> It's scary. <laughs> he to work in the ACC, which was a bad conference this year. And he didn't really play any of the best ACC teams. He played Duke. That's pretty much it. And Clemson yeah. he didn't play well against He has tremendous physical tools. And for that, he is still an elite quarterback prospect. The size, the arm strength, the athletic ability, the speed, that's all there. But he also needs to be able to play quarterback. So, okay, bring up the comment, gives Mitch Trubisky vibes. I get that, and Sam Howell as well. He's much more physically gifted than Trubisky and Howell were. But Mm. I think the concerns are the same. Those two guys did not play a lot of college football. And they came in very raw and you were essentially buying potential. You weren't really buying on anything tangible with them. I think the hope this year was May would had so much natural ability that he would give you something tangible from a football skill set to kind of lock in that pick. He kind of did. And there are people who will see what they want to see. And I understand it. But how does that some of that circus stuff transfer from the ACC to the NFL, if he can still get away with it. And I'm not saying he can't, if Mm -hmm. he can transfer that to the NFL. Yeah. He's worth the second overall pick the the Justin Herbert comp is spot on. He'll be excellent, but will it transfer? This is sorry. Last point on it. He needs to go. He needs to go to the senior bowl. He, if he shows up and has a big week at the senior bowl, it's like, all right, he did it against elite talent. We're good. We move on. If he goes to the senior bowl and struggles, there's going to be serious questions about him. If he doesn't go to the senior bowl, I'm going to look at that and say, he's worried about struggling. That's a red flag. I need to see Drake may go and have a good week at the senior bowl. If he does that. Yeah. He's QB two locked in, but he did leave the door open.
1: Now the Justin Herbert comp. Yeah. I like, maybe my memory is foggy on Herbert. I don't remember part of his scouting report being, like May's, where he goes outside of structure so often or to the degree that it really worries you I felt like it was more that like things are so simple can he mentally you know adapt to the NFL and I know there were questions about his demeanor because obviously he's a guy who hates attention and avoids it like actively avoids attention despite the fact that people put him on him in negative ways that make absolutely no sense I'm looking at you Acho you weirdo Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) that's Herbert but with May I feel like the physical talents here, like you see the incredible arm strength, you see the easy athleticism, but then I also see where Herbert isn't a guy like a Josh Allen or like a younger Mahomes where he relies on his athleticism with Herbert. It's more like every once in a while, he'll have a crazy run where you're like, right. This guy is six foot five, like he's a massive and he is fast. Whereas with May, you know, I started to kind of watch him a little bit more. And I realized sometimes this guy is trying to run away from pressure and it works. But often, not oftentimes, but there's more times than I expected where it doesn't. And when you're in college and you're trying to escape pass rushers and you can't on any kind of consistent basis, but you're someone who tries to use your athleticism, that's like, okay, at the NFL, people are only going to get faster. So obviously it's like a Caleb Williams situation where like you can coach that out of him, but is it really quite the same? Because I've seen so many Justin Herbert comps, I feel like you look at them, it's like tall white kid who's pretty athletic and, you know, can throw a pretty ball. I feel like that's where a lot of it comes from. But I also feel like the things that scare you are more prominent with May than they were for Herbert because with Herbert, it was more mental. Well, I guess both are technically mental, but it was more can he catch up rather than can he kind of pull back on some of the stuff that worries you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I I think it's more you're talking about the ceiling, but you're right. The differences, what you're worried about in the draft coming out are are different with the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: All right, last one. My boy. Jaden Daniels, give me your thoughts. Is he the Heisman winner? Is he maybe going first overall? I mean, I, I I kind of say that jokingly, but honestly, every week I feel like the people who, like again, I'm not super locked into college football, so I try to listen to the people who are and come out with all the stuff that yeah. I consume during that time of the year, they're all raving about Jaden. It's all like he's super explosive. He's growth. It's all the things that we've already talked about on this show. But it feels like he has fewer concerns. Like we talked about, he, you know, isn't really smart with his body. But that seems to be the biggest thing where it's like, okay, well, if you coach that out of him, there's a lot that you like. And not nearly, you know, outside of that is many of the concerns over, like, can he play the quarterback position on schedule in a way where you don't have to give him the Andy Reid treatment where it's like first two and a half seconds, mine. If it breaks down, do your Superman thing. So
0: what are your thoughts there? So first off, he should win the Heisman. Absolutely. He, he would get my vote. Uh, as, as for the draft, I think there is an element with him. We just talked about this with Caleb Williams, right? Where last year he was new. He just exploded on the scene and we were all gushing and we weren't necessarily looking for the flaws because it all mm-hmm. we we're just having fun watching him. I do think there probably is some of that with Jane Daniels. I think his evaluation will come a little bit back down when people really start digging in, but mm. I, I here's the thing. I don't think he can go number one overall, because I think all the things that he does well, all the things that you're going to hallmark him for as a prospect are also things. Caleb Williams does slightly better. Mm-hmm. So if that's the skill set you're looking for, like Jane Daniels to me, and this isn't perfect. There are some key differences, but big picture, stylistically, Jane Daniels is just like Caleb Williams minus ten percent. So yeah, that's fair. I. I but, then, but then there's that
1: in that ten percent. It's like, well, how much do you care about you know being able to have to coach things
0: out of him? And that's, that's true. Where it's but like that's I, I just think, Yeah. Well, the other thing is Caleb Williams has now two years of very high production, and Jane Daniels was mm-hmm. good last year, but like teams do, and it, it, it makes sense. If you have two guys who look like the same player, but one guy had high-level production for two years and one guy had high-level production for one year, you're probably going to take the guy who did it for two years because you have the larger sample size, and that's what you want. Jane mm-hmm. Daniels has a large sample size. a five-year starter going back to Arizona State, but he's not nearly the player he was now that he was as a freshman. His game has grown tremendously. So I don't think he can catch Williams. I do think he can catch May if mm-hmm. he has a great, you know, pre-draft process. I'm not closing the door that he gets to QB2. I think with Daniels, the first thing I point to with him is the growth and Mm -hmm. just how much better he got, not just from last year to this year, but over the course of this year, because you need a guy who's going to come in, especially a guy like Daniels, who's an older prospect. That's another reason I think, uh, you know, Caleb Williams has an edge on him, which just isn't going to change. He's always going to be Williams, always be younger. You need a guy that's going to learn quick. And that's going to develop quick. And Jane Daniels has already shown he can do that. So Mm -hmm. that to me, people will roll their eyes at that. I don't care about that. How does he throw the ball? You got to learn when you come into the NFL. (laughs) You got to learn. There's things you have to learn. And Jane Daniels has shown he can be a quick learner. So that's exciting. Especially when it comes to deep ball. It was one of his biggest weaknesses at Arizona State. Now it's one of his biggest strengths. You love that. Uh, Obviously, his ability as a runner is fantastic. He showcased that throughout the year. Right now, my biggest knock's on him. He's gonna have to put on weight. Six yeah. four two ten can't play quarterback in the NFL at that size, especially if you're gonna be running around. He's got to put on ten to fifteen pounds, and then can he, st- he? He's gonna be a little bit slower, but can he still be as dynamic mm-hmm. when he puts on a little weight? Robert Griffin the third, and that's been my comp for him this whole time for Jane Daniels. Robert Griffin the third put on ten pounds between college and the pros, and he was until. Washington made him tear his knee up for a wild card game. And he that feel, that disgusting,
1: right. awful feel. Jesus, man. He, hopefully, <laughs> Jane Daniels'
0: team cares more about his long term health than Washington did for RG3. Certainly. Yeah. If if Daniels somehow goes to Commanders, I might cry. <laughs>
2: but,
0: uh, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, he's got to bulk up a little bit. That's certainly a thing. His age is, there's nothing you can do about that. He's an older prospect. Some teams like that. But mm-hmm. I think. A lot of teams, they want the younger guy. They want the guy that, you know, they can get. How are you going to, there's a big difference between being 26 and being 29 when your rookie contract runs up. And with with Drake May, that is an edge he
1: has. has He's 22 years old, right? Like that's a lot more time that you have to, like when you talk about all the time you got to make up, well, by the time he's Jaden Daniels' age, he'll have been in the NFL for multiple years. Right, exactly. And then you're hoping like, all right, well, he's the same age as this guy and he actually has NFL experience and that can go one of two ways. It's either, I mean, it could go several ways, but, you know, the extremes are this guy figured it out and now he's playing up to his potential versus, you know, the Mac Jones route where he didn't have enough support and he lost yeah. confidence. And now you've got like a 25 year old with a ton of talent, but mentally he's fried.
0: The other thing with Jane Daniels for me, and this is also coachable is I think he reads the field. Well, like he can pick apart. If he, when he figures out what the coverage is, he knows how to pick apart his own or taking advantage of man coverage. He, he needs to see some more complex coverage and get used to that. I almost feel like, he trusts his eyes too much, if that makes sense. Like he makes Absolutely. his, in, and, and and this is a thing for a lot of young quarterbacks. This isn't just a Jane Daniels thing. But it, when you're talking about a guy being a potential top 10 pick, we're going to nitpick. He makes the read. And when he makes the right read, which he does most of the time, he can pick it apart. He's not great when his initial read isn't the right read of then adjusting and coming back. Right. And, and Tua? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. is a, a very good example of this, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And that's certainly coachable. And that goes back to my first point of he's a really quick learner. And mm-hmm. he's not exposed necessarily to a ton of those uh coverages in college. So it's not something he has a chance to work on a ton. He'll have it in the NFL. There's going to be growing pains with that. I- I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's not, but... Uh, it is something that when he comes in the league, it's going to come out, people are going to see it on tape and it's going to be something he needs to work on. So, But those are all, again, protecting himself, coachable thing. You'll get him on a weight plan. You'll get him watching film of NFL defenses instead of college defenses. They're, they're all coachable. I, I, I do think he is in the conversation for a top 10 pick and could he pass May by the time we're all said and done? I do believe he could, yes.
1: And we talk every week about Is Belichick going to be gone? Should Belichick be gone? Should they clean house? All that roster building perspective. I don't think there's a whole lot of, you know, gray area there. Something needs to change because it has not been acceptable for several years. But we can't pretend like Bill Belichick isn't also the smartest person, one of the smartest people who's ever been in the game of football, probably the smartest person who's ever been currently just because of experience and success. And Brady always talks about it, how they would you know, have their meetings every week and they would talk about this is what I'm seeing, what are you comfortable with, this is what you do. And he always talks about how I learned through Bill Belichick's perspective how defenses run and then Belichick says you know conversely that Brady taught him a lot because it was a quarterback's perspective for someone who's actually on the field I tell you man I would love for Jaden Daniels to get to learn from Bill O'Brien and Bill Belichick and have that as his first couple of seasons in a league of learning from guys who Bill O'Brien I feel like does a phenomenal job just from watching his clinics of making the game simple and giving like that's the whole thing. He gives quarterbacks options. Like we're yeah. not looking at Mac Jones's interception numbers and being like Bill O'Brien, what are you doing? He has nowhere to throw. You know that's not really. I mean, sometimes because separation, but you know the turnover issues this year have been largely because Mac Jones is making poor decisions. But Bill O'Brien's offense is really, really. I mean, also so many complications because of Mac Jones in the system. I feel like there's a lot of pre snap stuff. But again, yeah. Dumb that down with a rookie quarterback, play to their strengths. I would love to see what those guys
0: could do with so, a smart guy who's self aware, like Jaden Daniels. Can I give you a counter to that? Mm. Put Jaden Daniels in Bobby Slowick's offense. I mean, dude, of course, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I want to see. That, that and it's not against Bill O'Brien, but I, I, I'd rather get you know pair the coach and quarterback versus because. I don't want Jaden Daniels out here just throwing a bunch of slants and in-cuts and screens. I want him throwing the ball down the field, right? So oh yeah, I, yeah. It, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. Like, I think that that teaching wise, obviously O'Brien and Belichick would be, and you mentioned the point of Belichick in those Tuesday meetings with Brady. I think something like that would be incredibly beneficial. I mean, for any young quarterback, but Daniels, like I said, picking up the coverages. But I also like want to see modern offense right in, in and no that's totally offense. valid that's 100 and just valid. like stylistically i, mean, I think johnson that's
1: more or, yeah if i mean if they can get brian johnson or you know, Bob wait, wait, did i say his name right i keep saying the right jo- uh, ben johnson ben johnson ben johnson i don't know why i keep calling him brian johnson i don't know what is going on in my head but yeah, thank you ben
0: former johnson. red sox relief pitcher brian johnson
1: That's definitely, you know, me, big baseball guy. That's got to be what it is. Um, All right. Thank you so much, buddy. Favorite time of the week. Had a blast as always. Let the people know what you got coming out and what they need to keep an eye out for.
0: Yeah. uh, 985sportshub.com. I kind of have more of a recap on the the college quarterbacks. I realized we didn't get to J.J. McCarthy. I think I forgot to text you about him. Uh, It was another J.J. McCarthy. Uh, It's very easy to talk about J.J. McCarthy. He didn't really do anything. Uh, the heavy majority of his pass, I think it was like 80 something percent of his passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, he was in the passenger seat as Michigan rolled Iowa. We'll see what he when we're really going to find out about JJ McCarthy. You cannot hide your quarterback against Alabama, you can yeah. hide him against Penn State, you can hide him against Ohio State, you can hide him against Iowa. JJ McCarthy's going to have nowhere to run when he, literally and figuratively when Nick Saban gets his hands on him. So We'll get a really good idea where J.J. McCarthy's at in a couple of weeks. But um, I have a breakdown of all those guys on 985 fathersportscom Me and Evan talked a little bit about uh, the quarterbacks this morning on the Catch-22 podcast on Patriots.com. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Real Alex Barth because I will have not only Patriots coverage tomorrow, but Saturday, Army-Navy at Gillette Stadium. Very excited for that one. Really no draft implications, but I, I think one of the best uh, football traditions every year. If you're a fan of the sport, the game is the sport at its core. So, uh, I'll have, I'll be geeking out on that all day and, and I'll bring you guys all along for the ride.
1: Yeah, Gillette's been decked out. Like, even in the yeah. tunnels, you see all the stuff painted on the walls. You got the thing outside. It's been really cool. I'm gonna, Next year, I got to make sure I make it. I just didn't understand the gravity, but uh, I'm going to be covering – or following you to see your coverage and make sure I'm locked in. Thank you again, my friend. Thank you all for tuning in. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We'll see you next time. Peace out.